Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Today's episode of She's All Fat is brought to you by Big Fig Mattress, the first mattress for a bigger figure. It's the first mattress made specifically for plus size sleepers, which is everyone plus size, unless you're like me and need to take a ton of melatonin to fall asleep. And then I still want that comfy mattress. Big Fig Mattress was created with plus size bodies in mind. For example, every Big Fig Mattress has cooling gel technology to help with sleeping hot, extra edge support, high density foam to prevent mattress sagging, and 1600 pocketed coil springs that support your neck and back. The equally strong and supportive foundation is included in the price, and you can also purchase a frame to go with it. Each Big Fig mattress holds up to a thousand pounds and has a 20-year warranty. You know the team at She's All Fat loves lounging on our beds, and we love the idea of a mattress made especially for us fatties. They have a trial period as well as financing options, and you can find out more information at www.bigfigmattress.com. You can save on a Big Fig mattress by entering code SAF at checkout. How does being super fat change your interactions within or like approaching spaces in the the fat positive or body positive community? Do you ever roll your eyes so often that you're worried they might stay that way? (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's the short answer. Sophie. I'm April, and this is She's All Fat, the podcast for body positivity, radical self love, and chill vibes only. This week, we'll discuss fat labels, Peter Kavinsky, and straight passing privilege. April. Yes. It's week two of season three. What are you obsessed with this fine week? Okay. Two things I'm very excited to share. Mm-hmm. Number one, there is a YouTube page called Colors. The concept is there's one microphone and then the musician gets to pick the color of the background. Like it'll just be like three walls painted a color and then they come perform their song like stripped down just with the color and with the microphone and that's it. It's a make or break for if you can really sing or not because you have your background like music but you're just like by yourself singing in this room and it's cool to see which artists think about like coordinating like some people will wear the same color some people will wear complementary colors some people just pick white and they don't care it's very cool um and there's two really good performances that i'm going to link to the first one is formerly known as eliza doolittle now known as just eliza she's going through a rebrand okay um saying her hit from last summer called wasn't looking and it's just like so good all the comments are just like her swagger makes me want to, like, buy the album and become obsessed with her. Because she has an amazing voice, but it's just about, like, Whoa. the way she embodies the performance. Wow, you can just see her underwear. Her, She's absolutely wearing, like, a sheer dress. And her nips. And her wow. nips are fully out. And I'm so happy for her. I like her. when people have the confidence to sing with their eyes closed. That means they really think they're good. She does have swagger. Okay. She's amazing. I love Eliza. And then the second one I linked to is... I tried to watch this and I didn't understand what was happening. I also don't understand what's happening. So Earth Gang, from what I learned after I Googled them, they're like a two-person rap duo. People say they remind them of like outcasts, like they're kind of like a new mm. age outcast. But they just like, they gave, they separated them. So they had two separate performances, but like edited them together because mm. they're a duo. And then like just the way they performed the song was just like, I can't really comprehend it. Like the energy was so high that I didn't know how to take it in. <laughs> like as Whoa. a consumer, I didn't know how to 
like conceptualize it but it's just this really cool song and i just like it made me so excited to learn about them as artists because of seeing them perform in this space um and then my other obsession this week is just the way that black women have been talking about peter kavinsky on the internet <laughs> so are you about to pull on ira and just read your own tweets <laughs> no the, none of these are, one of them is mine but the other ones are from other black women okay. um but no so if you haven't watched to all the boys i've loved before yet like turn off this podcast and go listen go, to it yeah that's way more important um so this incredible rom-com came out called to all the boys i've loved before and the love interest in it is named peter kavinsky and he is the sexiest person on the planet i regret to inform you that he is the sexiest person on the planet and so it's been really funny watching a lot of black women be like you know i love black men but peter kavinsky like (laughs) we're trying to process this attraction together um hunter harris wrote an article for vulture that's just like the thirstiest thing on the planet (laughs) bim from buzzfeed has been live tweeting her like re-watching it every second ashley c ford is going through it like we're all going through it the thing is that he looks like every fuck boy does in high school but he acts so nice he has a heart of gold i'm sorry but that just that i could write you notes every day like what my favorite of these thirsty ass tweets is bim tweeted sorry but we're gonna have to talk about the pitch perfect light skin selfie squint peter kavinsky did at king box house party there's a lot there and i'm just gonna leave you with that and then you'll process it on your own but peter kavinsky could truly get it any day um so that is my obsession what are you obsessed with this week um, I've been using a lot of FaceTime. Victor, my boyfriend, is abroad, <laughs> basically. He's he's doing a job. Um, he's working on a campaign, like, for two months, and he'll be back after the election. So, miss him, but been doing a lot of FaceTime. Grateful for FaceTime. Sometimes corporations are good. Just kidding. Apple's not good. Oh, my Apple's goodness. Not good. <laughs> Apple's not good, but um, FaceTime is nice. FaceTime's good. I have also been spending a lot of time in, like, of the various Who Weekly Facebook groups. So um, if you're a listener who likes D-list celebrity gossip, listen to Who Weekly. We both stand for Who Weekly. I believe Who Weekly is the best podcast. It's so good. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> and I also really love all the Facebook groups because one of my main traits was like liking gossip that doesn't actually hurt anyone's feelings. Same. Which Absolutely is like same. what D-list celebrity gossip is. Just take it in. It's just candy. You just yeah. digest. It's amazing. And so all the like associated Facebook groups that are like both for Who Weekly talk and for, like, whatever other specific thing talk are, like, pretty fun to hang out in. And, like, I haven't been on Facebook a lot in a while. Mm. I have a little more free time right now. So. <laughs> um, also just got a lot of really good heirloom tomatoes at the farmer's market last week. They're delicious. Um, been getting back into audiobooks, like I said last week. Devoured both of Samantha Irby's books in audiobook. I had already read them, but it's really fun to hear them, like, in her voice again. No one else should read her book but her. Like, it's so perfect. Um, And then I just started reading on my Kindle, We've Always Lived in the Castle, which is like a classic Shirley Jackson kind of spooky novel. And I'm also reading this graphic novel called Monstress, which is a graphic novel by someone called Marjorie Liu, and I'm seeing it highly recommended. And then the other thing I'm flipping through is just fall decorating mags. It's time. (laughs) Fall is here. I'm not really going to do anything, but I just like looking at the pictures of fall and halloween crafts might do some crafts Ooh, i'm i'm looking forward to fall this year i think just because summer was so miserable usually i'm not super stoked about fall because it seems sort of like ominous like yeah. winter's winter's coming <laughs> winter's coming but this fall i'm excited i want to put a sweater on yeah we have I'm ready victor tried to grow pumpkins this year so we have two pumpkins out there Ooh. don't know if they'll make it to halloween if now i'm the one responsible for keeping <laughs> oh, them god alive. but we'll see prayers up for them pumpkins so yeah that's not you know, those are just the the things in my in my view this week. Not really obsessions. Let's move on to some Apple Podcasts review shoutouts. If you give us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts, we will write your username down and give you a shout out right here on the show. We really appreciate it um, when people do that. It helps boost our visibility. It helps us get opportunities. Um, it helps us get sponsorships. So. Um, if you have a second, please, and you're listening on the Apple Podcast app, just take a quick second and rate and review us on there. So here are some people who we want to thank this week for doing that for us. Okay, Zelda, parentheses, no, really, at Love Thyself 365, Love in Myself, and Sincerely, Ariana. 
thank you all so much. Thank you. I love reading those on the toilet when I'm having a bad day. <laughs> yeah. So thank you nice. so much. Um, now we're going to be doing our patron shout outs. These are for people who have become a Patreon at www.patreon.com slash she's all fat pod. Um, y'all keep the lights on over at SAF and we really appreciate you. So we have Haley Nelson, Laura Bania, McKenna Sullivan, Carlota Ruiz, Rebecca M. Davis. Thank you all so much for all of the support. Awesome. Okay, so moving on to the tip jar. We are going to have an upcoming episode, not sure if it's next week or the week after, on being uh, the intersection of fat and non-binary. So we have done some amazing interviews for that episode. And just like we asked for for this episode about being super fat, um, we want anyone who identifies with being in that intersection or has something to say about um, body positivity and being non-binary and how those things are in conversation as part of your identity, send us a voice memo. So for this tip jar this week, um, in our Patreon Facebook group, which is for Team Paisley, Moomoo, and above, people are talking about how to find Fat Friends IRL. That was a really cute combo because people started being like, let's meet up. Let's meet up. I want to see photos from meetups so bad. Oh my God. Um, People are giving each other plantar fasciitis tips. And also people posted Sunday night teeth brushing selfies. It was lit. Um, (laughs) Sophie in the outline wrote, it's lit exclamation point. I'm walking. Out. <laughs> Apparently, compression socks that you can get cheap on Amazon are helpful for plantar fasciitis, which I'm going to try because I have it and it sucks and my feet hurt all the time unless I'm like specifically wearing my ugly ass shoes. So this person in the Facebook group wrote, compression socks help reduce swelling in your feet, which reduces crowding or squeezing. They also help support your foot from splaying out, keeping them in a more effective position for walking. The way they reduce swelling is by helping your veins return blood up your leg, which I didn't know. Wow. Interesting, right? People are there smart. We have doulas. We have doctors. Very helpful. Yeah. Also, just a reminder that over the summer, we switched up our Patreon reward system a little bit. Um, so if you're at Team I Love Bread, which is the level above Team Paisley Moo Moo, you're going to be getting an extra weekly podcast segment, which is something that's been highly requested. So that's in addition to all patrons have access to like audio extras and outtakes from the episode every week. So if that's something you're interested, just go to patreon.com slash she's all fat pod and look it up. Also, if you want to be part of the Patreon, have access to those things, and you're a supporter, but you can't afford it right now, then we have links to our scholarship application. And we can't match everyone who applies, but that link is in our show notes and on our website. And we try to make the family as inclusive as possible. And if you want to sponsor someone to get the scholarship, there is a link in the show notes as well, if you are feeling generous. All right. So our next tip jar is from a listener who loves Mitski. We talked about Mitski in our episode last week and they said, all of my queer Asian American friends and I relate to Mitski so much, not only because she is Asian American, but her music is so vulnerable and explores the facets of being an outsider. So Mitski talks about her identity a lot, and especially in the title track of her first album, Your Best American Girl. So we would recommend checking it out if you have those intersections or if you just want a good pop indie groove, check out Mitski. Everybody talking about her if you want to post sad like lyrics and then be like bisexual culture on twitter <laughs> that's the main space i see mitzky in wow 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 just everyone's like same when mitzky said i'm so lonely i felt that it's <laughs> like you guys dang she's in the zeitgeist yeah shout out okay so now on to any news or corrections um, this is a hashtag, sorry, Lindsay, I am lonely. Cause again, my boyfriend is out of town and I have made Lindsay sleep over like several times in the last two weeks. Cause I get afraid of ghosts. So hashtag, sorry, Lindsay, thank you for staying over with me. One quick correction we have is that the amazing person we interviewed last week, MD, um, we said their last name wrong. And as someone who also has a hyphenated last name, I do apologize and take full responsibility for this. You let your community down. Fucking sucks. Um, Okay, so uh, MD's name is pronounced MD Spicer Sites and not Spicer Sitzes, which is how we said it. So sorry, MD. You're the best. So we have a special little treat for our listeners who have been so supportive of us for the past two seasons. We had a listener named Tori English offer to make phone wallpapers for us, which is so cool. And they will be found as a highlight on our Instagram page. So Tori is a Canadian graphic designer and illustrator with a passion for creating lighthearted and playful designs. And you can find out more about her at her handle at by Tori English. That will all be in the show notes. And then you can get um, your wallpaper on our Instagram page. Or on our website or in the show notes. We'll post a link to 
to it. That was just, I was honestly so blown away by that because so she nice. just emailed us and was like, I like graphic design. Can I make a phone background for you? And we were like, what? <laughs> like, thank <laughs> That's you. That's so nice. And they're so cute. They're beautiful. Like it's, it's just so exciting. So cool. Like someone in the Facebook group made those little cards one time for people to hand out if they like want <laughs> to tell people to stop promoting diet culture. Like people are just so creative and cool. It's very sweet. So thank you again, Tori. <sighs> All right, we should really get to the meat of it, don't you think? Let's do it. The meat of it. This season, we're spending several episodes talking about the intersections within fatness that we, meaning me and Sophie, don't personally experience. So this week on The Meat of It, we're talking about being super fat. So let's define what being super fat is as best as we can as two people who are, again, not super fat. A good touch point to kind of start conceptualizing what this is, is Roxane Gay. She talks about small fats, Lane Bryant fats, and beyond in her book. And by the way, if you want to hear us talk about her book, Hunger, there's an episode about it in season one. It's called Roxane Gay's Hunger. Um, That beyond category that she mentioned is the super fat category. Yeah. So there's other ways that people in this category identify as, like, this is not a, like, a term everyone uses. I've seen InfiniFat or death fat, which is specifically a term people use like in response to the way that doctors will classify super fat bodies. Um, yeah, I don't need to say the like term because a lot of people are very against the term doctors will use, but, um, basically like the way that doctors will be like, you're going to die essentially. So you might be asking yourself, why do we need these divisions? Aren't we all fat? And, you know, that might be the case. But also, it's really important to recognize and acknowledge those differences in our experiences within the fat community. I don't think it serves anyone to pretend like we all have the same experience, even if you are valid in your own personal experiences with fatness. And so that's why we have categories. Yeah. it's I've seen a lot of people talk about what it means to be super fat in terms of access, accessibility, and privilege, basically. Um, so for example, someone who is chubby or small fat, they'll probably face prejudice or pushback from their family or friends, but they can still, you know, like shop at, uh, the, go to the mall and buy stuff. And they can probably go to most like public spaces, like a restaurant or a movie theater without like any problem. Someone who is a mid fat will have to shop probably at fat specific stores like Lane Bryant. Most straight size stores won't carry their sizes and they probably will have to spend some time being aware of whether or not they'll be able to fit into spaces they might want to go to. Like for example, they might need to use an airline seatbelt extender or they might be worried about not fitting into a booth at a restaurant or feel really tight in a theater seat. Um, Someone who is super fat might have trouble finding clothes at all. They might have to order clothes exclusively online but from like three places um, or just order the largest size available and just hope it stretches. They deal with issues of accessibility and prejudice that smaller fat people simply don't have to. Um, Everywhere from um, just fitting into public spaces to the doctor's office to prejudice and hiring um, to the way the an, a big increase I've seen with my friends who are super fat in the way that people in public feel the right to comment on their bodies. So I think it's very useful to have these things. And, and just like the word fat, I think it's like people have to kind of claim the categories for themselves. You know, I'm never going to be like... You to deal with it. You are super fat or something. But we wanted to do this episode just because it's important for us to think about what issues of accessibility are we having in these various categories and how they might differ from each other. And because um, we are always trying to be aware of our own privileges and do our part to like center the more marginalized bodies and and people in the body positive community. We talked to Alex, who's a friend of the pod Mm -hmm. and identifies as super fat. The following discussion includes mentions of numbers, scales, and weight loss um, in general. So just trigger warning for that. Chew the fat. Okay, so... We are in the studio with Alex. Hi, uh, my name is Alex. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. I'm 24 years old, and I am a friend of the pod, and I am a law student here in Los Angeles, where I am from. This season, we're talking about um, ways of being fat or intersections of fatness that April and I don't experience ourselves. So um, we're talking today about being super fat. So can you tell us what that means to you? Sure. So um pretty much since I became aware of body positivity and then subsequently fat positivity, which is is definitely 
my preferred term for my experience um, with this, I became familiar with the different sort of quote-unquote levels of what it means to be fat. It sort of dawned on me pretty quickly that I fit in the the, uh, realm of super fat. And I guess to me, to me, super fat means primarily to have a body that is so outside the quote-unquote norm of what it means to be an average person, particularly in this country, that you are limited um, in terms of your accessibility pretty much on a daily basis. And you can be limited by your own body in terms of what your body is capable of doing. So I have been in a way where I have had trouble physically getting out of bed. I've had trouble walking like down a flight of stairs, walking up a single flight of stairs. I mean, that was a, a true ordeal for me and has been a really true ordeal for me, but also not just accessibility in terms of your body, but accessibility in terms of where and what you can do. Can you sit at a restaurant? Can you fit in a movie theater seat? Can you fit in a car seat? Can Do you need a seatbelt extender with you at all times? And if those experiences resonate with you at all, then I think you're welcome to join me in considering yourself a super fat. It's a very helpful definition, I think. I think so, too. I think so, too. I can say it again. <laughs> me too. No, no, no. It's not about you. It's just about we literally get the question all the time of just, like, what may, what is the difference between the categories? I think, like, the experience just you just no had. There's no hard line. Yeah, it's there's no like, hard line. Yeah. But, though, but that list of experiences is e- easy to be able to be like, okay, I experienced that or I didn't. And I think that will help people have sort of, like, guidelines for what's going on. Yeah. So thank you. A lot of people who are smaller fat or not fat will email us in not understanding why it's important that we make those distinctions because those experiences are different, obviously. So I'm wondering, what do you think is the most misunderstood thing about being a super fat person? So I think for me, the most misunderstood thing was the degree of frustration. I mean, I think we live in a society that is extraordinarily hostile to fat people. When I really hit super fat, the level of accessibility became so much more challenging to navigate. And I found myself frustrated all of the time. I am constantly frustrated as I walk through the world because it's not just, are people going to be mean to me if I try and pass them in a supermarket aisle because I take up more space in the aisle? Or are people going to glare at me when I'm buying things that they're making judgments about? But literally just, I'm at a restaurant, I'm sitting in a chair, does my chair stick out so far that the waiter can't get by behind me? You're constantly embarrassed. Every doors are too narrow for me. I mean, every experience of trying to be a person in the world is humiliating. And I think I I took that frustration and have taken that frustration for a long time and internalized it as just rage. It's it's very um, challenging, I think, to try and exist in a world that isn't meant to accommodate you ever. You go to a restaurant, sometimes there's a wider chair. If you're a mid-fat, you're comfortable. Sometimes you get lucky and you go to one of those movie theaters that has those reclining armchairs and they're wide and they're nice. That experience never happens to me. Nothing is built for me. There is panic every time I go somewhere new. And that level of panic is extremely psychologically draining. And I think that, I think it's it's a couple of frustration and just exhaustion. It is exhausting. Do you have other friends who are super fat too? Part of my broader experience with being fat has involved, obviously, uh, trying not to be fat. I don't think there's any fat person that exists that has not at some point tried not to be fat. And uh, my parents are um, very health conscious and and are not, I wouldn't even call them body confident friendly. You know what I mean? They haven't hit fat positive or any, I mean, they're not even close. Um, And they sent me to fat camp a lot growing up. I went to three different fat camps. And then I spent I had two different six-month periods at a place I lovingly refer to as Fat Resort, which is just a weight loss resort in North Carolina. Um, it's great. I have nothing bad to say about it except for that I achieved nothing there but smoking a lot of pot and having sex with older men. Amazing. But, um, but that's, I mean, that's the honest answer. But, um, but I at Fat Resort, so a lot of people, every time Dr. Phil or Dr. Oz trots out an 800-pound person, they're like, we're going to shame you on national television, and then we're going to pay for four weeks to cure you at Fat Resort in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And of course, there is no A, no cure for being fat, but B, nobody makes meaningful lifestyle adjustment that's 800 pounds in the span of four weeks. It's a highly unrealistic proposition. So then, of course, they fail. And of course, Dr. Phil or Dr. Oz brings them back and it's like, you're a failure. Um, so in that context, I actually met a lot of people who were sometimes two to 300 pounds heavier than me. So I consider myself a super fat. Weight fluctuates all the time, but I've I've weighed well in excess of 500 pounds over the course of my life. And I 
my experiences with lack of accessibility are dwarfed by those people's experiences. So I don't have necessarily like a BFF who who is a comparable weight to me or who's heavier than me, but I know a lot of people who are and a lot of people whose experiences are even more rage-inducing, I think, than mine. Dang. We have talked earlier in the pod a bunch about um, like the importance of fat friendship and like having fat community and people to like share things with you in a positive way. So even though you don't feel like you have super fat people who are like in person with you now, do you feel like what is your sense of like fat community and fat friendship right now? Well, it's currently sitting in this room with me. <laughs> um, it's primarily the two of you. And, and when I am... Um, sad or frustrated about different elements of my experience about what it means to be fat or somebody says something effed up about fat people on social media, it is great to have someone who I'm able to text. I mean, it's really, it makes the burden less frustrating, right? Because I think an undercurrent to so much of the broader frustration with what it means to be a fat person is just to feel a lot of damn rage. I really value sort of my friend's neutrality towards my body. And they also exhibit a lot of patience towards my body, especially at times where I have really struggled with my mobility or my ability to breathe or different illnesses. They're sort of just like, yeah, we'll wait. Okay, cool. The best gift I think anyone can give if you have a fat friend is just listen to what their needs are and don't make them feel like a freak for having needs that are different than yours. At the same time, I would say the worst thing, it's really hard listening to people who fit into the normal standard of what it means to be socially acceptable body-wise, it's very challenging to listen to them complain about their bodies. They totally have the right to do it. I know they are hit with as much messaging as I am about why their body is flawed because it has, you know, a quarter inch of fat on the back of their arm. You know what I mean? Like, I, I fully respect their need to talk about that, their need to process that, and their need to be frustrated with that. I am not the person to talk about it with. Because you may think that I have more understanding or more compassion or like, I get it. I do get it. And you actually don't get it. And that's where I think the disconnect can be really challenging is that I want you to receive that support, but you're not going to get it from me because it's too painful. And I think people in the fat positivity community want to sort of undercut, I think, a lot of the time how much pain there is because we are trying to legitimize ourselves as a movement, right? So you want to be saying all the time, things are great. We're doing great. Everything is okay. Like we have a right to be here. We're happy the way we are. And we are. Yeah. That's not up for debate, but that doesn't mean that there doesn't exist like lingering pain and resentment and frustration at a lifetime of rejection. One doesn't negate the other. You can have both. Both feelings are allowed to coexist as my therapist tells me all the time. And so while I care that you've put on 15 pounds and it's hard for you, I care. I don't want you to be unhappy. Don't talk to me about it. It's too hard. It's just too hard. How does being super fat change your interactions within or like approaching spaces in the the fat positive or body positive community? Do you ever roll your eyes so often that you're worried they might stay that way? (laughs) Um, That's the short answer. This is like a Jewish Judy Bloom novel. (laughs) I love (laughs) narrating. This is incredible. (laughs) Gilda Radner for kids. True. Take Uh, us there. I love it. Um, Sometimes it's hard. Because you want to be happy for other people and you want to be sympathetic to other people's problems. But um, sometimes it's hard to do so because the reality is, is that even the fat positive community is not really meant for people like me. You know what I mean? You join a group, you join a Facebook group, right? And they're talking about these things. And maybe once in a while, someone will make a post about having to deal with skin rashes, right? But if you're a size 16, you may not even know that's a thing. But the reality is, is that I can't go to a restaurant without significant anxiety. I can't get in my friend's car without carrying a seatbelt extender in my purse. I have to worry constantly about sweat and rashes and I have to wear leggings every day because otherwise my skin will fucking bleed just from my thighs hitting each other. And I, I, my feet swell and my ankles swell and all of those things that are a constant consuming thought to me about just getting through the day. It's hard sometimes in those groups because people are like, yes, loving myself. Look at my belly roll. And I'm like, bitch, if I posted a picture on my, of my belly roll on here, no one's going to like it. Exactly. Because there's a ton of internalized fat phobia yeah. even in the, the fat positivity community. And it, it's, I don't always feel welcome. I frequently don't feel welcome. And I don't know that that's someone's fault or someone's problem necessarily, right? But I I will say that 
in general, fat positivity spaces are geared to people size 20 and under. And it could also feel kind of white feminism-y a little bit in terms of like, not just in terms of white feminism itself, but also in terms of like a justice movement that's arching towards gaining the privileges of the most privileged group. Like I feel like a lot of body positive spaces are like, look, I'm fat and I'm doing the same things thin people can instead of where it's like, you know, it's, I think it's, it's, it's okay to be like, because I'm fat, I deal with these other physical realities. And that still me that still doesn't mean that I shouldn't exist. So yeah. What do you love or celebrate about being super fat? I don't know that there's anything I love about being super fat, but what I appreciate about being super fat is having been forced to reckon with my own passiveness and getting my needs met. Um, and having to learn to use my voice and harness my voice to get what I need because being super fat is hard. So when you go to a restaurant that has no chairs for you and you have to, in front of your parents and their friends and their friends' children, be like, I need a different chair, and you watch how everyone's body just freezes up, there is something empowering in being able to, to tolerate the discomfort of that situation and just sort of be like, okay, I'm sorry you're unhappy, but I still need a fucking chair. Like, my need does not change based on your comfort level. And sort of learning to lean into that, as much as I hate that phrase, is something I'm grateful for through the experience of just being fat. (laughs) Yeah. I'm grateful for our friendship because it forces me to confront some of those things about whatever privileges I do have. Not in a, like, I'm so blessed not to be super fat way, (laughs) but but just in a, like, it's so much easier for me to feel, like, protective of you than it always is for me to feel protective of myself. Like that time at the Grove. Oh, yeah. Wait, can we talk about that? We can talk about that. Like, it's so much easier for me to be, like, Alex deserves the world than it is for me to like say it about myself always you know what I mean I don't even know how to I'll just be pissed again (laughs) we went to dinner at the Nordstrom's at the Grove and we were walking out of Nordstrom's after and this like old man basically came up to me and was like you know I have a good diet for you and he was like let me tell you about this great like weight loss diet you could lose Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot of weight and Sophie just went off on him. (laughs) I was like ready to just be like, okay, no, thank you, bye. And sort of sprint um, as fast as someone 500 plus pounds can sprint um, to the parking garage. And Sophie just went for him. And he treated her like she was the asshole. He was like horrified. He was like, I don't understand. Like, why are you talking to me in this way? I'm just trying to be helpful. And Sophie was like, did she ask you? Did she ask you? It was awesome because no one's ever stood up for me in that capacity in any any way of my life. And so it was it was actually very touching for me because no one has ever told someone to fuck off. Like, I think that's one of the best things about having fat friends is there is a degree of fellowship and protection that comes along with that. Like you don't, you fuck with one, you fuck with all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it did fulfill a lifelong dream for me, which was to rightfully, like, right, really righteously tell someone to walk away. <laughs> you did that. That's right. <laughs> That's amazing. I can't believe you hadn't done it prior to your life. What I people know. don't know, no, what our listeners don't know, is that Sophie wishes you would. 
she wishes somebody would try so her. So fucking accurate. She Holy wants shit. to fight. People think I'm the mean one on the podcast. I'm very this chill. bitch wants to fight. <laughs> she does. Oh, no. Very chill and I'm very calm and kind at all times. Absolutely not. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> But it was great. I've never well, it because I've never had I I if it was ever for myself, I would have like a degree of doubt. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have any doubt, and so I could just lay into him. It was great. <laughs> Before we ask you if there's anything else you want to add, listen, we're both very curious about your other fat camp experiences. <laughs> Spill the tea. Sophie's been hyping this for months. I so want to know. Please Alice is deliver. always like, you don't know how much I fucked at fat <laughs> camp. Okay, so I didn't fuck at fat camp. I fucked at fat resort. But I was too young to fuck at fat camp. Because the last time I went to fat camp, I was 14. And it's totally fine if you fucked at 14. I just didn't. First time I went to fat camp, I was 11. Summer after 6th grade. Um, I went for four weeks. I had a terrible time. I cried every day. Not because there was anything wrong with that particular fat camp, but just because I was so socially awkward. Mm -hmm. I probably weighed all of... 160 pounds when I left and I was like 5'7 by then so I was like by no by no measurement (laughs) fat um I lost like all of 12 pounds in four weeks and then um my parents were disappointed in me and um I had a terrible time and I read like nonstop. Second time I went to fat camp was the next year. That was a less positive experience and a more positive experience. I made a lot of friends, which was great. That was a negative experience because that fat camp was pretty poorly run. Uh, We were up near Modesto, which is central California, and it was a barren wasteland. And they would have us, like, run outside in 100-plus degree heat. And that was uh, traumatic. And they didn't really feed us right. And everything was sort of focused on this, like, before and after photos to sort of sell your parents on the fact that they'd made the right choice. Third fat camp I went to, um, there's a company called Wellsprings, and they run a number of fat camps uh, throughout the U.S. They almost went under during the recession, because who the fuck could afford to make their kids skinny during the recession? And um, so... It's not realistic. <laughs> just, oh, sorry, little Jimmy, we can't afford to make you skinny this year. Damn. Um, And that was both a good and bad experience. Um, It was pretty bad from a fat camp perspective. I mean, all the fat camps try and educate you about health, right? So they make you go to class during the day. So it's like class running, class running, class. Um, So they'll, like, take you to class and, like, teach you about, like, how much sodium you should have every day. And you're, like, 14 and horny, and you don't really give a shit about how much (laughs) sodium you're supposed to have every day. Cal State University Channel Islands had just been converted from the sort of abandoned remains of the former uh, California State Insane Asylum at Camarillo. So only about half the buildings were converted when I went to camp there. And so sometimes our nighttime activity was explore the locked up remains of the mental hospital that hadn't been converted yet. And if you want to know why my parents have spent thousands of dollars on therapy for me, uh, that's a pretty short answer. (laughs) And um, I was extremely traumatized by that experience. Oh God, so many bad stories. Uh, We used to smuggle in food. The best trick I ever found was to hide cookies inside maxi pads because you can open up the maxi pad wrapper just enough to slide something back in. Because they'd search your bags going into fat camp wow. to make sure you didn't have any food. Besides all that amazing material that will be a Patreon extra this yes. week. So become a patron at $1 or above to get access to those fat camp sex stories. I'm not kidding. <laughs> um, Whoa. <laughs> then is there anything else you want to add or that you wish we had asked? Or any other resources you want to give people? Or just anything else you want to say? I guess my best resource advice for people who are super fat or who struggle with some of the issues that I've struggled with as a super fat is athlete's foot cream is wonderful for skin rashes. If you graduate out of that, go to your dermatologist and don't be ashamed. They're a doctor. They're required to help you. They're not just there to do Botox. Um, and the LA just sprung out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. My dermo is just always trying to sell me Botox. I'm like, I'm 24 years old. Call me when I'm 28. Um, and don't be ashamed to ask for what you need. And it's really hard to do that. And it's really hard to do that when the world is so aggressively hostile to you. But I think it's worth trying to get your needs met in any way you can. It's you don't, you are super fat. That doesn't mean you're obligated to suffer. That doesn't mean you have like a moral failing and therefore all the pain or awkwardness or like whatever issues you have medically are some sort of like, you must suffer as a result of your moral failing as a fat person. Like get what you need. If you can, if you can't Google your resources, 
you know, if you're a student or an employee, you are legally entitled to your, your school or your workplace accommodating you. You are protected by the government, um, no matter who's running it, unless, you know, the Trump administration repeals the ADA. So protect yourself while you can. Great. Very ominous. Yeah, very. <laughs> but very real. <laughs> and be nice to yourself. You, you didn't do something wrong. Thank you. I think that's a great ending. Thank you so much for talking with us, Alex. We really appreciate it. And we hope this was kind of fun for It was you. super fun. I hope I didn't let you down. No, super not fun. at all. We're so excited to hear about your experience. You're also so funny and cool. And Says April. <laughs> Thank y'all. Sophie does not give me enough compliments. <laughs> wow. That was bait and I almost took it. <laughs> Um, No, but thank you so much for being here and for sharing and can't wait to hear what our listeners think. I would just think we should end by saying we have explained one person's experience of being super fat. You're You're welcome. welcome. Okay, so that was our amazing interview with Alex. She's obviously like a very cool, special person. Um, And we're very lucky she came on the show. We also have a clip from um, our conversation with Jay um, at Comfy Fat Travels and at Comfy Fat and some other platforms um, who we talked to in our fat and non-binary app. Um, So here is a little clip about Jay talking about being super fat. And you will hear more from them in that non-binary episode in a couple weeks. Well, I would be interested in hearing what you wish people knew about being super fat? Because here's the thing. We get a lot of problematic emails in our account saying Mm -hmm. like, you know, even though I am a size eight, I still feel victimized because of my quote unquote fatness and I don't get how that's different. And so I know for one that I think people have a hard time seeing how it could be harder for anyone who is fatter than them because like, aren't we all fat the same way? But I'm wondering if there's like specific things that you feel like are misunderstood about your experience that someone who is like up small to mint fat might not fully grasp or might, you know, disregard because they think you're having the same experience. I, I really think it comes down to accessibility for me is the biggest one. Like imagine you know, being in a world that wasn't built for you. And I think some people totally get that, especially if they have disabilities and stuff. Um, But when it comes to like small fats versus super fats, that's a huge issue. Like it's not just about the fact that I can't go to the, go to a clothing store and, and physically try on a piece of clothing before buying it. Like that sucks. And also that's not the only thing. It's like, I have to consider if I'm going to physically fit in a space, if I'm going to be able to sit down in that restaurant or get by the crowd of people or how much like walking is involved. And I'm not trying to equate like super fat bodies with not being able to walk much, but like specifically for me, that's been a difficulty is like really the accessibility is hard because like buses and public transport and, um, and obviously like (laughs) flying, it's all, it's all really difficult all the time. And there's so much thinking involved and I really, I don't think you can know what that's like unless you really start listening to people talk about it. Um, April. Yes. So now that we have learned from these amazing people, how do you think you and I can work more and do more to better support our super fat friends and family? I think, first of all, Alex gave a lot of great tips on what makes her feel supported, and I really appreciate her sharing those. And I think it really is just about making an effort to think beyond yourself. Like, I think human beings naturally think about their own experiences because they're them, and it's hard to think about what someone else's experiences could be like. But it helps to kind of think about, like, okay, if I'm uncomfortable traveling, if I'm uncomfortable at any restaurant, if I'm uncomfortable moving through the world because of accessibility, someone who's super vet is experiencing that plus X. And so to whenever I'm thinking about advocating for myself, just reminding myself that that allyship is needed even more for people who are more marginalized than me because of their bodies, I think is super important. Um, Sometimes people will say things like, okay, that makes sense to me. But like when you get really fat, it's not healthy or something. Mm -hmm. You know, that basically is like, something they feel comfortable saying to me because they don't think I'm so fat that I can't be quote unquote healthy. Mm-hmm. And I have tried in the past to be like, well, you can't tell people's health by looking at them. And also like health is not, they don't health, owe you their health. Yeah. And also health's not like a moral good. Like it doesn't have anything to do with 
anything or should not have to do with how you treat someone. There's no like ultimate health as we've talked about mm-hmm. before, but I don't really think I've come across a good way to be, cause it, it, when someone's saying that when they're first learning, like it's a common thing for people to say when they're first getting into body positivity, if they're still suck, stuck in a like health centric morality based view of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and since I know what they're really saying is like, but I don't support those really fat people. And I haven't quite figured out a way to say like, um, health is not a moral good. You don't, nobody owes you your health. And also like super fat people are valid and good because then I'd also have to explain <laughs> super fat. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I just don't have a pithy response yet, but that's what I've been thinking about and working on because I know that because I'm not a super fat, I hear that and I haven't, I don't feel like I've nailed it yet. Mm-hmm. I think a helpful way to think about it is like, so people always want to trap you and say, well, my 600 pound life, that's unhealthy, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I think when you get like trapped into one of those conversations, which happens a lot, just to think about how there's no number or size where somebody starts deserving respect. Like, I think there's no reason to try to rationalize someone's health if you don't know them or someone's why they're fat if you don't know them. But I think if your response in those moments can just be, regardless of what weight they are, they still deserve access and they still still deserve respect. I think is a, because then someone, if they want to argue with you on that, then they look like an asshole. Oh, people do too. And they'll be like, they don't, you don't deserve anything. Capitalism, bootstraps, pull your, like, oh God, get it. Escape. Go to alt quit. Alt, what is it? Control-alt-delete. Yeah. <laughs> control-alt-delete. Control-alt-delete our whole society, honestly. Yeah. Embarrassing. Um, but yeah, that's the that's the step I'm thinking about right now. Um, and I hope to continue to increase my allyship to super fat people more and more. For all of our episodes where we're talking about intersections that we don't personally experience, we've asked our listeners, that's all of you, to send in some voice memos if you identify as experiencing that intersection. So here are some voice memos from our lovely listeners who are super fat. As a super fat woman, I constantly feel like the world is not meant for me. Um, Anytime I go outside, I feel like any place I go, shops, restaurants, anything like that, there's not enough room. Um, I always feel like I'm taking up way too much space. I feel like I can't even sit at a booth anymore whatsoever. And I have to think about weight limits for everything. So, like, if I go somewhere and they have, like, their chairs look wimpy, I'm not going to go there because I can't. And that happens all the time. And it happens everywhere, like places you wouldn't even think about. Uh, I get worried when I go into bathrooms and they have those one toilets that, like, hang from the wall instead of, like, being positioned on the floor because... I don't, like, I just constantly worry that something's going to break underneath me. Um, and then, of course, you know, they tell you, like, oh, when people stare at you, like, you just are imagining that they're staring at you. No, no, literally everyone stares at me. I have been riding in a car and had people point and laugh. And I have, um, if there's people behind me laughing, they're laughing at me. And convincing my friends of that is they don't believe me. Um, because of all this, I, I do actually struggle with agoraphobia going out at all because it's, it's such a hard thing to do. Um, even in the body positive spaces, I have a hard time feeling like that's a part of, I like, I get to be a part of that space, uh, because my body is the most disgusting to most people. Hi, my name is Kayla. I'm 25 and I have been fat my entire life. From when I was a kid through high school, I was bullied, not always consistently. I had friends, but it was here and there, sometimes worse than other times. And then when I got out of high school, the bullying stopped and I was in the real world and I was able to reflect and realize that no one's opinion matters except my own. And that's when I learned to love myself and to love my body, regardless of losing weight or gaining weight and regardless of what other people think. Hey, April and Sophie. Um, I just wanted to say that um, as you guys talk about uh, super fat folks and and infinifat folks, um, it's important to remember that super fatness, like I feel like the larger you get, 
the more of a dramatic difference you can experience um, in accessibility um, because everybody's bodies are shaped differently and when you gain uh, weight and your body gets to a certain size, like everybody gains weight in different places, you know, and so the larger you get, the more extreme that becomes. So um, you see people... You run into people who talk about being like 400 pounds, but they can still fit into like a 3X. Or, you know, you can be 300 pounds, but um, you require like a 32 or a 34 or something like that. Um, there are folks who have small tops and big bottoms and large legs. There are people who are big all over. There are people who carry it all in the front um, or the back. So um, the regular variations of the human body... Um, the bigger it gets, um, the bigger those differences become. And so one of the reasons why I think that um, it's difficult to talk about a single uh, solution for a lot of super fat issues is because our bodies are just really wildly different in many, many cases. Here at Choose All Fat, we love our undersummer's shortlets. They're anti-thigh chafing slip shorts that make dresses, skirts, and whatever else you wear into chafe-free zones. They're not just for flowy summer clothing, though. They're also ultra comfy bottoms to wear to bed. You have to try them, and then you too will never want to take them off. Undersummer's has a new short fusion style available in black, blush, and beige. They've sold out twice since their release earlier this summer. The proof is in the pudding with undersummers. Once you get a pair, you'll want to have a bunch more, like me. I have a drawer for them next to my underwear drawer. My mom actually stole a pair of my undersummers. Really? <laughs> yes. They're so good. She claimed them. Also, pudding. It made me hungry. Um, okay. <laughs> I like to wear my undersummers with a big t-shirt when I'm lounging around watching to all the boys I've loved before for a 44th or 45th time, and under a dress when I want to feel comfortable going into a coffee meeting. To buy your own set of undersummers, use code L-O-V-E for $10 off your purchase. That's a new code for us, so hear it again. Love, L-O-V-E, for $10 off your purchase at undersummers.com. The website has size charts and a variety of lengths and rises, so you can find your perfect pair. Code LOVE, L-O-V-E, for $10 off your undersummers purchase today. And now it's time to ask a fatty. If you want advice, you can send a voice memo of yourself asking a question to fyi at she'sallfatpod.com. You can record it on your computer or the voice memo app on your iPhone. Just keep it short, about one minute max. Or if you're shy, you can send us a plain old email at fyi at she'sallfatpod.com and we might answer your question right here on the show. This week on Ask a Fatty, we have a very special letter from Hannah. My question has to do with the word fat. I use it as a neutral descriptor for my own body, but I am technically straight-sized, though just barely. I am a size 12 to 14, average height, and I'm not the flat-bellied plus-size model type either. At this size, am I allowed to use the word fat to describe myself? Even if I do fall into the fat category, is it a word I should not use to describe myself when I'm in the presence of those who are fatter than me? Thanks. We get this question a lot. We did choose this specific one because uh, this Hannah sent us that voice. We like that voice. <laughs> sent us that voice. <laughs> but we get a lot of versions of this question about who's allowed to use the word fat, who gets to use the word fat. Am I allowed to use the word fat? It's funny because, like, nobody sends us a picture. It's But it's, like, so, That's very true. You know what I mean? No one's like, look at me, am I fat? But it's just like, am I allowed? Which mm-hmm. I'm trying – I always try to be, like – what are people really asking for in this question, you know? I, w- I mean, I think people sense that we're, like, trying to reclaim the word by calling our podcast that. So mm-hmm. maybe that makes people think that we could, like, be the judge of it. But We're not, not. the judge of it. <laughs> Definitely not. The only thing I'm the judge of is you can't say I feel fat. Yeah, because that's not that's a feeling. That's not a feeling if you mean I feel bad, especially. Don't do that. Don't compare fat and bad. It's, it is valid in some ways because we are, like, rejecting the, like, quote, overweight, like, you know, quote, obese, Mm -hmm. like, kind of labeling. And we're also rejecting, like, BMI stuff. So we're rejecting a lot of labels. But I kind of feel like straight sizes go up to, like, a 12, 14, sometimes 16, depends. Like, you know, plus sizes are maybe easy way to, like, look at it. I don't know. I mean, it's hard because a lot of people who are fat or who have been fat also have, like, 
some dysmorphia probably. <laughs> like I know I don't always see my body accurately, mm-hmm. but I think it's less like, am I? what am I allowed to say? And, and more like, okay, how do people treat you? Like, Absolutely. <laughs> because you'll know if people treat you a certain way because of the way your body looks. Like the whole point of reclaiming the word is that what has been associated with the word prior to that is like being shamed, being not having accessibility, um, and just being treat, treated like your body is definitely not the norm. So I think you'll you'll know based on whether or not people mistreat you because of yeah. your body in this way. Yeah, sometimes I think we get this from people who are like, I'm insecure about my body. Can I call myself fat? And it's like, well, you can be insecure and be thin. That's fine. You know, we get it a lot from people who are in this, you know, 10, 12, 14, 16. And it's like, everyone's body is different. People who are size 12 look different if they're like, however tall they are, or even like different body composition or whatever. So there's really not like a hard and fast rule. If you're trying to be like, oh, I have some extra fat on my belly, then, you know, I would if I was a size eight. That's fine. That's like accurate. Like your experiences in your body are totally valid. And I think that sometimes people want to claim the word fat because it it helps as a way to express that marginalization that they face. So I think like even if you are an in-betweener and you still have been body shamed, that's totally valid. But fat, the fat, the term fat and also the fat communities that we talk about and that we engage with exist because of that marginalization. So if you haven't had that, you still are allowed to talk about your struggles with your body and your body image and the way you've been treated. But maybe the word fat isn't the best fit if you're, you know, feeling like you're more of an in-betweener. Yeah. Cause there's, you know, like we talked about, there's a difference between self-love self and self-image and, and body positivity. So it's like, I feel insecure because I don't look like a magazine model cover or whatever is different from, you know, I can't fit into this ride at Six Flags. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, um, hope that helped Hannah. Thank you so much for giving us that lovely voice. And we hope that you feel validated. You're also like, again, we're not gatekeepers and you're valid and your experience is valid. So go with your gut on it. Yeah. Your fat gut. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, uh, The shirt I mentioned and any other resources will be in our episode notes. Thank you, Hannah. Now let's move on to It's Okay, You Can Ask, a segment where we give each other permission to ask each other questions about each other's experiences, (laughs) about each other's experiences and intersections. And by the way, that's just us giving each other permission. Again, do not ask your friends probing questions. That is rude. Okay. And also that does not mean send me questions about what you can say to black people. Please stop doing this. (laughs) Don't do that to me anymore. Please don't ask me that. Please. All right. We'll find out the answers to our burning questions like, aren't Burning Man and Coachella the same thing? Or who is Shaka Khan and why are their lyrics taped to her fan? As I said, I know who Shaka (laughs) Khan is. Okay. So, Soph, it's my turn to ask a question. Great. Which are my least favorite weeks because I prefer to watch Soph squirm. But (laughs) this week, week I have a question. Um, So, I have read a couple articles from people who are bisexual and feel have like have talked about feeling weird about being straight passing. And some people will write about what they do to communicate with people that they are queer, even if they might be with somebody who is like, they look like they're in a hetero hetero relationship. Mm -hmm. So my question is what does it feel like to you if people assume you're straight and are there things you do to make it clear that you're not? And in what situations do you do that? So I started dating Victor before I realized I was bi, before I knew I was bi. That only happened like a couple years ago. And so the whole time I've known I was bi, I was in a straight passing relationship. When I first realized it, I got like freaked out and was like, am I going to have to break up with Victor and start dating girls? Mm -hmm. And then I was like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's just part of your identity. You're fine. It's it's hard to navigate a little bit because being straight passing is also a privilege, Mm -hmm. you know? So like... It is annoying to have that erasure when it happens. I don't personally experience that as a marginalization because uh, it puts you in danger to be mm-hmm. like to be visibly queer. You know what I mean? So it's like it's annoying when I'm erased in that way, or when someone will be like, like only talk to me about liking boys or something like mm-hmm. that. Like it, it, it doesn't come up quite as directly. Or like sometimes it'll be like oh, I didn't know you were bi. And I'll be like, yeah. And then they'll be like, okay. Okay. Like, usually it's not, all of us are straight here, right? <laughs> you know? Yep. Um, 
But sometimes I do feel left out of queer spaces Mm. because I'm in a relationship with a man and um, that can suck. But again, it's like because I'm not as visibly queer, I'm like not the one who's going to face the most oppression from it in the same way that like – you know, not that I'm not going to like list all the other way, ways that queer mm-hmm. people face depression, but like, for example, my friends who are girlfriends, they get a lot more weird shit when they're out with each other than I do when I'm out with Victor. Like I'm not, nobody can visibly be like, oh, you're bi? Want to make out with a girl in front of me or something? Like that doesn't happen. Good. You know what I mean? <laughs> Is there a situation where like, let's say you were having ladies night or something and would be like, we're all straight here, right? Is that a situation where you'd be like, no? Like what is the situation when you would feel like you need to clarify or you want to clarify? Probably. I mean, it's hard because some situations would be like, it'd be around people I don't really know, right? Mm-hmm. Or like at work or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't run into that that much. And I don't know that I would want to announce my, like, sexuality Mm -hmm. at work, in a workspace. I think for me, it's more important to me to find the spaces where I feel comfortable expressing, like, my queerness and finding out more about myself and feeling, like, comfortable in that than it is about, like, everyone else needing to know about it. Mm -hmm. I do feel sometimes uncomfortable in spaces that are, like, queer spaces and then people will be like, you're straight. And I'm like, no, I'm not. (laughs) I'm not actually. There's just not that many situations where I need to talk about my sexuality, which is like when I'm like on Twitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it will come up on Twitter. Or yeah, I just sometimes feel the need to defend myself if I'm in a queer space mm-hmm. um, because people will be like, sometimes like people will be like, ugh, like girls say that they're bi for attention yeah, or something like definitely that. Definitely, I've heard that. Well, I hope that you are able to find like a part of a community that will accept the fact that you're in a relationship with a man and still let you be there because I know how important that is and I will say I enjoy watching you try to process what bi fashion looks like I think it's very cute it's thank you it's fun it's very freeing I spent so long as a fat person being like I gotta look so feminine Mm -hmm. so that everyone knows that like I'm not gay or whatever (laughs) you know I always felt like a mom in my body growing up when I wasn't a mom well I wanted I had spent a long time feeling like to be feminine is to be small. To mm-hmm. be feminine is to be attractive, is to be small, is to be cinched in or whatever. And the only representation I saw of, like, you know, fat queer women was, like, more butch women, basically. And I was like, I want boys to like me and I want to be perceived as straight and small, mm-hmm. you know, before I figured any of this out. And so it's fun to, to now both be fat positive and be like, and what is it like to want to be perceived as queer? Mm-hmm. You know, when now that I no longer am afraid of someone being like, I would be, (laughs) I would be flattered if someone was like, oh, fat lesbian. I'd be like, thank you. (laughs) You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I have seen you be like clocked for being queer. And it's like amazing to watch because I don't know what the fuck was going on. (laughs) And then afterwards I'm like, oh, I see. And I saw that you feel like happy that someone could correctly identify your identity. It feels very affirming. Mm -hmm. That makes, that makes me feel good when that happens because it makes me feel like I'm like, I I don't have to be super performative about something or, like, say it all the time to be seen as, like, who I am, you know? So thank you for that question. Of course. Thank you for sharing. It's still in progress. Would love to chat with other femme bi fatties about stuff. Yeah. All right. Thanks for asking. Of course. And that's our show. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to the stuff we mentioned today. And don't forget to send us your questions via email or voice recording to fyi at she'sallfatpod.com. Please make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's super important in making sure people find the show. If you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout out on the pod next week. She's All Fat is created, produced, and hosted by us, Sophie Carter-Kahn and April K. Quio. If you'd like to support the work we do, you can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash she's all fat pod. When you pledge to be a supporter, you'll get all sorts of goodies and extra content. Our music was composed and produced by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. Our website was designed by Jesse Fish, and our logo is by Britt Scott. This episode was mixed and edited by the iconic Maria Wirtel. Special thanks to our fairy intern mother, Lynn Barbara. Our Facebook Instagram and Twitter handles are at Choose All Fat Pod. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your pods.
Look at this photograph. <laughs> Look at this graph. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. All right. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.